Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Man, how are we doing tonight? It's good. All right. So um, that's obviously uh, Jen. A lot of you know Jen and her husband, Josh. And um, I just want to point out that they've been only coming to this church, I think it's about six months. Um, and they're going to be leading the Welcome Other People ministry. And I point that out just so you can know, like if you're newer, uh, I know a lot of you looking around aren't as new, but if you are, it's never too early to plug in. And so let us know. The Welcome Ministry, you can sign it up right in the, before you leave. If you, all you got to do is be like, smile and say, how's it going? And if they ask for where the bathroom is, say, I don't know, but I'll find out, all right? Sometimes I have to do that right now, so hopefully that'll be a lot easier in a couple of weeks. So, um, so tonight, as we uh, look at our message, we have an insurmountable wall. All right, I've, I don't have much of a budget, so you're just going to have to use your imagination, all right? Um, it's not so, but so you're going to have to you know, pretend it's a wall. And, and, and these walls uh, aren't just representing the walls of Jericho, which we're going to see. But they're representing, um, because the Hebrews writer uses it for uh, the church he's trying to encourage in his letter, and therefore encourage us. And so it represents insurmountable walls that are present in all of our lives, and not only individually, but collectively. And they're walls that, that we see in front of us to be able to do what God has called us to do. Right? So you, you can have walls of, of different things. You have walls of fear. Right? I'm afraid of what's on the other side of that wall. You can have walls um, of regret and shame. I've blown it. God doesn't really have anything to do with me anymore. Or what, what, what would he use me for? And, and you can have um, walls of uh, selfishness. Or, if you want to say it nicer, comforts. In other words, it's, it's more comfortable to stay this side of the wall. I don't need God to tear down that wall because I'll just stay over here because it's, it's more comfortable and, and, and pleasurable. And, and this is where I, I want to be. Right? Or, or there's walls of addiction. There's walls of, of shame. And these things are there and they exist and they're real for us that we feel like makes it insurmountable, makes it so hard to go where God has called us to go. Not only individually but collectively as a church. And so what this uh, Hebrews writer is going to try to teach us is that, that these walls, they're not surmountable by you. But what happens when we trust God, when we confess God, believe God in faith, and then obey God? Well, then he does this. Oh, see, preaching's fun sometimes, kids. Right? I better, it's a good thing I don't go down there quite as much, but uh, we'll just leave that there. And, and as an illustration of the walls in your life, you're not going to tear them down, but God will. But you've got to trust him. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, that he would come and break down the greatest walls. We just celebrated by uh, the Lord's Supper and that wall of sin and disobedience and your forgiveness, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would come tonight, each and every one of us, 
wherever we're at, a good place with you, a really bad place, or most often, Lord, somewhere in between, you know where we are. That we would come with a spirit of confession and repentance. We'd come with a, a spirit of readiness to, to say, God, what, what do you want from me? What do you want from us? And where, what step of faith, of obedience today that you're calling us to take? We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. So we're going to, uh, obviously, as we've been all series starting in Hebrews 11, um, but most of our time is going to be spent in the book of Joshua. So that'll be good. Uh, so if you did bring your Bibles, you can uh, um, open them to either one of those or both and, and mark them. And uh, so just wanted to give you a little, we had a members meeting Thursday night and gave a little bit of an update on the renovation next door. Uh, a lot of you asked, so um, uh, n- nothing too big, but it's awesome because in a couple of weeks we're hoping it for it to finally be done. So the painters have been in all week and the floor people are coming in next week and then really pretty quickly the rest of the stuff will happen. So we're hoping by mid-May it'll be done. And we also shared that the giving has just been so awesome. God's been faithful. You've been faithful. Um, our three-year thir- three goal, we're almost at about halfway in six months-ish since we've been collecting. Um, so just uh, thank you for that and, and praise God for that. But keep going uh, because we're, we're doing this not just to have a good space and for the building, but we're doing it for the future. We don't want our kids and grandkids to have to be holding the bag of trying to fix this building up, right? So that's why we're doing it. So thank you for that and be excited. We'll have hopefully it'll, you'll start seeing it open up soon and, and uh, maybe we'll actually be able to use it too. So um, and... and uh, yeah, that's it. So uh, I'm going to start us here in Hebrews 11. This is a series that we've been in, and we only have one month left, um, the month of May, and we'll be finishing off this chapter and a little bit into chapter 12. This is what we call the Faith Hall of Fame, right, where, where this letter, which is really just a sermon in written form, right, to this, this writer just trying to get this church to not shrink back, right, to, to, to trust God. And so he's using all of these people, and he started right with Genesis through Exodus, and now he's skipping a bunch of stuff, and, and, and he's going, because not really good stuff happened, um, and then he, he's jumping here to uh, Joshua, but it's kind of, he's gone in order. And so this, in verse 30, it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith... Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So two examples that we're going to look together because it's really wrapped up in one event, right? Uh, The walls and Rahab, the prostitute, okay? Um, So uh, where I'm going to go now is the book of Joshua. So remember, last week, if you were with us, um, we we had the... the, um, the, the, the faith of the Hebrew people that went across the Red Sea on dry ground. Remember that? And, and so that was by faith. And so that's where we left them. And so he's skipping a lot. In fact, 40-ish plus years, right? Where they went from there, they got the law at Mount Sinai, and then Moses led that same Hebrew people from Egypt right up to the promised land that God had, had promised to give them. And they got to the promised land, and he sends, uh, God instructs them to send 12 spies into the land, spy it out, see what's going on there. And so 10 of them came back terrified. Huge walls, terrifying people, right? So, so they come back and they get everyone all terrified. There's no way we can do that. 
Only a younger Joshua and Caleb were saying, God can do this. God can do this. God could do this, right? And, but they incited all the people to say, he can't, we can't, right? The same people that just watched the Red Sea, right? And it's such a lesson even in that for all of us. That is your life, you don't just look back. Remember when I had faith 10 years ago? Remember what I did? Because every day there's a new thing, right? And, and where God says, are you going to trust me today? Are you going to obey today? It even rhymes, easy to remember. And, and, and so they, they saw, they, they trusted him in the 10th plague with the blood on the doorpost. We saw that two weeks ago. Then they trust him crossing the Red Sea. We saw that last week. And now about to enter the promised land and they don't trust him. And for that, their judge and the entire adult population wanders the wilderness until they're all gone, including Moses. And so just the kids that were there then and those who hadn't even been born yet, um, so 40 years goes by, and now Joshua's in charge, and they're ready to go towards the promised land again. Let's give this another shot, right? And so in Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So you got the promise. You're going to get this, this, this promised land. But what are you going to need? You're going to need strength, and you're going to need courage. That's what faith always needs, right? It's very rare that it's like, oh, have faith. That was really easy. It's, it's, it, it doesn't happen, right? You, you're going to need, Joshua, to lead these people with strength and courage, that's what it's going to take when you come up against that same wall and that same scary stuff that's on the other side of the wall. Be strong. Be courageous. And so they get up to the, to the promised land, and Joshua's probably having flashbacks as he decides, well, I'm going to send a couple of spies, just two this time, not 12. They don't even name them. Um, but skipping ahead to chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim. You were all waiting, all right? How's he going to say that word? All right, I looked it up. Okay, and that's the only time I'm saying it. As spies, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Okay, so, so they send the spies, they go into, these, into the gates of these huge walls that surrounded Jericho. This was the pinnacle spot in front of Canaan, right, that, that no army really wanted to go in because the walls were, were just insurmountable. And so these two guys go in, and they go to one of the first public places. It was probably sort of like a hotel-ish place, restaurant that you might go. And so they, it was connected to the walls, close to the gate, and they went in there thinking, well, um, you know, this is probably a good place to get information because different people from different places are, are hanging out in this building. And so the, the, we're, we're told that this house was owned by Rahab. And Rahab is a prostitute. Well, that's just a great thing to be known, right, and to be declared for all the world. But they're right there out there. So it's a hotel, but it also has some extra services provided. And so that's Rahab. She's a woman. She's not part of the Hebrew people at all, and she's a sinner, right? She's got public sin. Everyone knows that about her. And so this is where these spies are at. And 
So you look at Rahab, and she is as far away from God's family as you possibly can be. A wicked, sinful woman who's not even a, he- a member of the Hebrew, one of the 12 tribes, right? Wasn't there in Egypt, nothing like that at all. And this becomes an uh, example of faith. Makes you feel better about yourself and how you can have faith if she can. And so, he, uh, verse 2, it says, And when it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So this must have been some, some people there when the spies were asking questions about what's going on. And so they go back to the king and they say, King, you know that people we're all terrified of, which we find out later, right? That they're kind of at our, our walls. They're, they're, not, they're just a little bit distant. We've heard reports of them. These two spies are in Rahab the prostitute's house. And so the king is, is going to send them back, right, to, to, go, uh, to, to, to go either arrest them or do something to these spies. And so I won't read it for you, but they they come back looking for them, but Rahab finds out. And so Rahab takes the spies and hides them in the top floor of her house. And, and, she, and she deals with them. They come and they're like, hey, we heard these spies were here. And Rahab's like, they, yeah, they, they were, uh, but I didn't know who they were. And they, uh, we told them, you know, that, that you were outside the gate. You had run out, outside the gate. So, so that's what they, they so, so they're gone. They're not, they're not here anymore. And so they were like, oh, okay. They believed her. And they run off trying to find them. And so in so doing, she helps these spies um, and so she's going to hide them in the, in the top floor. And in verse 8, it says this. Before the men lay down, she, Rahab, came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came up out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings, the Amorites, were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Right, so, so they just heard. Now, the Red Sea is 40 years ago. Okay, and yet that is still, that's how big of an event that was, that this whole place of Canaan had heard there's these people and they're kind of crazy because for 40 years they've been nomads all around the desert, but we know that they have a God that, that parted the Red Sea. Like that's terrifying to them. She says all of us have known. We're all scared. And, and so the question is, how do you respond to knowing that about, that, about God? And so this is what Rahab says. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. That, my friends, is a confession, isn't it? That's a confession, right? From a foreign woman who wasn't even there, right? She wasn't present she didn't see any of this she just heard about it and she declares to the spies he's God he's God over all the earth he's the Lord he's God of heavens and earth and everything beneath it like what a confession by this foreign prostitute what a confession you know Jesus would one day say blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe Rahab is beautiful example of all of us really we weren't at the events of the cross we didn't witness the resurrected christ and yet when you were told that you believe you believe 
You believe he is the Lord. He is God. And that's what, um, and that's what Rahab says. Every single moment of faith for God to tear down some wall, for you to do what he's called you to do, every single moment, right, in your day, even today, is, is starts with a confession. Yes, sometimes about sin, but, more, but, but just as importantly about who God is. You might not say words like that, although you might want to start. Right? It's a good way to start the day. I, I mean, I know sometimes it's because it's I say it so much that I feel like I need to focus more when I'm praying. But I almost always start my prayer time with something like, Lord, you are God. You are holy. You are good. You are kind. You are love. You are majestic. I, right? Something like that to just remind myself that that is who God is. Because when you're going to trust him to tear down some wall, you're going to trust him to, to part a sea, right? You need to know who he is. And you need to declare it in confession. Uh, and, and so that confession leads to faith, right? So it's got to start with that confession. He is Lord, and I can and I will trust him. I will trust him. And so because of that, this is the plan that Rahab comes up with. She says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So Rahab goes from confession to faith. And she believes that this God can save her. Why? She's, a, she's not part of them. She's part of the enemy. She's the Canaanites. They're come, she's not part of those people, right? She, she's not only that, she's, just, she's a foreigner. She's not in the family of God. She's not part of that, and she's a prostitute. She's a wicked sinner. Everyone knows it, and yet she, in her faith, believes that God can save. That is what an amazing example of saving faith that we see in Rahab. She goes, can he save us? I believe he can save us. And will he save my whole family, my, my whole household? And what a confession. And, and, and so what they, I won't read it for you, but they described their, an, their, their, um, their answer to Rahab was like, sure, we can do that. And they, and they said, well, have, well, if you don't reveal where we are and, um, and, and, and tell on us, uh, all you have to do is put a scarlet cord out your window and stay inside when we come and everybody in your household will be saved. Remind you of the firstborn son, the blood on the doorpost. Now it's a scarlet cord, right? And, and, and just do that, right? Just do that. Don't, don't peek out again, right? Don't do that. You stay in. That's going to take faith and faith always results in obedience. They're, they're always tied together. And so that, that's, that's the plan. That's what uh, the, the, they, they tell her to do. And she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Some conjecture, some think that maybe she used to use that cord for something else, given her the vocation, and maybe it meant some kind of a signal that was representative of wickedness and rebellion and sin. And now it's a representation of saving faith that Rahab has in the Lord God. And so the spies do escape and, and they, they go home. And um, 
a much better report than 40 years ago. These guys come and say, the Lord's going to give it to us. He's going to do it, and we're going to go. And, and he just, they just tell Joshua, we just can't touch Rahab's house. And Joshua's like, absolutely, right? We, 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 we will not touch the house with the, the scarlet cord. And um, so they, 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 you can read through Joshua, and they, go, they cross the Jordan River, a little bit like a mini Red Sea event, and they worship, they build an altar, right? And then they receive instructions. They get to the cusp of the walls of Jericho, and they, and they receive instructions. And just like God is wont to do, those instructions are so weird. They're so weird, right? Like, I, and I know some of you, um, you, you grew up in Sunday school or something, and it's like, yeah, well, I know. And you even, you even grew up, you know, s- singing the song. You know the song, right? Here, I'll, I'll play it for you. I'll pull it up. Come on. Hold on. my favorite website. You hear it okay? Sing along if you know it. Wow. More singing in this one. I know. Maybe later. I'll, I'll, I'll play the rest of it. Right, so so you hear that song all, growing up and VBS or whatever, and you're like, yeah, I know the story, but imagine you're there, right, and you're like, you're waiting for a Braveheart speech from Joshua. Let's get our swords. Let's go. God's going to give this to us. And and he says, instead, uh, he says, uh, tomorrow what we're going to do is we're going to get the priests and the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence is, and and the priests are going to have these ram horns, which is strange in of itself. They're going to blow on them, and and the rest of us are going to be quiet, and we're going to go around the city. And, uh, or the, the walls, right, and, and, and that's it, right? Then we're going to, you know, just do that. And then we're going to do that six straight days. And on the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times. And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, and the blowing of the horns, we're all going to shout, and the walls are going to come down. And you've got to be thinking, this is so weird. Why are we doing this? Right? And there's a lesson in there. There's weird things that God calls you to do or weird to us, right? God's not weird. We just don't understand it. We don't get what he's trying to do. We don't get always the point. And yet, we're just called to keep it simple. Confess, believe, obey. Confess, believe, obey today. Don't worry about tomorrow, right? Obey today. And so they have to, to they get their instructions. And this, by the way, is in Joshua chapter 6. Verse 8 says, And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. They're always telling these people, be quiet, right? So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in camp. So imagine you're in you're actually in Jericho, you're one of the Canaanites, and you're looking out and you get a good view over the wall of these weird people, like just walking around, and sure, the priests are blowing these horns, everyone else is just really quiet, 
you're like, what in the creepy horror movie is going on out there, right? I mean, you're like, the terrified nature, they were already, Rahab said, scared, and now they're just like, what's going to happen, right? But if you're part of the Hebrew people, you're like, this is just kind of, I don't know, okay. And then he has them camp, right? So you got to spend that night going, that's all we're going to do for the day, you know? And, and they do that for six straight days, right? Six straight days. And they have to what? Wait on the Lord. Just like we talked about last week. It's not your plan, it's God's. It's not your word, it's God's. It's God's word. It's God's plan. You confess that he is God. You believe he can take those walls down in his time, right? And you let him be on the throne and get off yours. Remember the throne? How many of you got back on the throne last week? Don't raise your hand. I know I did a couple of times. Get off. Let God back on the throne of your life. And so they're waiting until they get to the seventh day. And I'll skip ahead to that, verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with him, she's still being called that, you know. Uh, Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. There's a few other things he said, but I wanted to skip to the point. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. All right, so imagine being there, the sound of that wall, huge insurmountable wall, boom, and into the city they go, that that's what they get by faith. The Lord did it, not them. The Lord saved Rahab, not them. Her faith, that he is the Lord. And so why is um, the Hebrews writer using these two events in the, in the faith hall of fame? This first one, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. It wasn't an army, it wasn't a strategy, it was faith. And by the way, it was corporate faith, wasn't it? They all needed to do this. It wasn't just, hey, Joshua and a couple of real high-up spiritual leaders. You guys go do it, and we'll just kind of see what happens over here in camp. That's not the instruction. They all had to, by faith, believe. And so it wasn't just individuals and their individual walls. It's individuals making up a collective of God's people. So that's what the Hebrews writers telling the church the same thing. That you, yes, individually you've got to have faith in your lives, but collectively as God's people, what can we do if we are believing God in that way? What can God do in us and through us? And so the, the, the point, I think, here is that nothing is beyond God's Nothing beyond God, is beyond God's power when it is in God's will. If he promises it, it will happen, and you can trust it. The walls of Jericho, um, from, from the Hebrews writer to the church, it's these insurmountable walls that we started things with. 
right? They're, they're, they're the walls of um, the, the, the walls of addiction. Addiction. That they seem so hard to, to trust God. Whether it's addiction to, to, to drugs or alcohol or addiction to pornography or food, right? To, to, to trust that God, it becomes so hard. I can't do it. No, you can't, but he can. Right? So you confess that he's Lord, you believe that he can remove that wall, right? And then you obey him. And here's what you got to do. You got to obey today. Well, worry about tomorrow. Jesus said worries for tomorrow will be for tomorrow. All right? You wake up today and you obey. That's all you got to do. It's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. But these walls, God will remove. All he's calling us to do is to one step at a time. I believe and therefore I obey. The walls of fear. I'm terrified of what might happen, right? You know there's a coworker or a family member or a neighbor, right, that, that God has called you to share Christ with or to pray for or to ask, right? And you just know. You just can't get around it. You're like, God, he just keeps by. But that person is going to, right, it's, you're scared. And, and, and sometimes I've heard sermons like this, and it feels like the preacher's making us feel stupid or feel really bad. I'm not. I've been there. Okay, it is a scary thing to put yourself out there like that, right? But you know God's calling you to do it. And you're like, man, right? And, and, and so the wall of fear, and so God's not saying, I want you to do this, this, this. He's just saying this. Just let me, let me topple that wall of fear. Students, maybe there's someone getting bullied. You're not doing the bullying. You're not getting bullied, but it's a lot easier to sit back. A lot easier because you put yourself out there. It could be you. But God's like, I need you to step up. Right? What do you do? The wall of fear can get in the way. Like, collectively as a church, the wall of fear, like, we're called to go into the community. And so lots of times we, we get scared because you know what? Jesus isn't really welcomed in the public square anymore, is he? Talking about Jesus out there, like, oh, it's, it's scary. And it's scary what might happen to us. And it's scary what could happen to us. And yet, we're not called to stay. And sometimes it's easier, more, more, more comfortable to stay here behind the wall. And God says, you, you, you got to obey me. Because I've called you to go. So the gates of hell won't stand against you. Right? The, the, hell is not on the attack. Hell have gates. We're going at them, right? And that's what he calls us to do collectively. So that means you and you and you and me, and, and, right? And, and we're, 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 we're collectively trusting him with our money and our time and our sacrifice because of what God's going to do. But it's scary. That's the wall, the fear. What's beyond it? What's going to happen? That's why they had to wander the wilderness for 40 years because they were afraid. Right? The, the, the walls of, of comfort. Where, where you, we, we want to we stay behind the wall because life becomes about one pleasure after another. And if I'm just comfortable and I'm just getting some pleasure in life, I'm fine. I don't want to sacrifice all of that. And yet God made us for so much more. So that wall needs to come down. You can't take it down, but you need to trust God to take it down. You take one step of obedience just today. And then tomorrow, another step. And see where God brings it. See where God brings you. See where God brings us. 
See, the problem is, is the enemy, who's Satan, and that literally just means uh, accuse, is he, he, he loves to point the finger, and he loves to accuse you and accuse me. You're nothing. You're no good. You failed. You blew it. Look at your bank account. How pathetic. Look at your marriage. You ruined that. Look at the, your kids. Are you kidding me, right? And you can get to the point where you're just like, I can't be used by God. That's the accuser. God did something about him. God will use you. God will redeem you. God will bless you. you got to confess him every morning. He is Lord. He's bigger than this. He's greater than this. And, and you believe it. And then you obey. You, the obedience doesn't come first. You're not earning anything with God. The faith comes. And then the obedience. Then the steps around the wall. Then Rahab with the scarlet cord. Right? The, the, the faith and then the, the obedience. The enemy wants you to not trust God. He, doesn't, he wants you to not believe God in your marriage. He doesn't want to believe God in your singleness and your sexual purity because it's too difficult. He doesn't want you to, to, to believe God in, in, you know, as you're looking for a job and it feels hopeless. He doesn't want you to believe God as you, you're thinking about that ministry that you want to do but you're scared to do it. Whatever it is that he's called you to do, the, the enemy wants you to sit at home. And binge another series on Amazon Prime or on Hulu TV or whatever. Or scan through Instagram and see everyone else's happy lives, which are just fake. Right? That's what the enemy wants. God wants you to go. He wants you to live for him. He wants you to do something. Whatever he's called you, what he called us to do, by faith. Believe. And then obey. And just obey today. You start thinking about ten years from now, you're going to get, it's going to feel hopeless. But you can obey today, right? You can not pick up that bottle today or go through the drive-thru today. You can just join up with that group today and, and, and do a, you know, pray for that person today. You can do that today. Tomorrow you wake up and do it again today. And when you screw up, that's what the cross is for, right? Which brings us to that last uh, Hebrews writer, that last point he made. This one with, uh, about Rahab. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a fr- friendly welcome to the spies. All right, so, so did she get saved because she had a friendly welcome? No, she saved by her faith that the Lord can save. And because of that faith, she did that for the spies. Right? She believed that he is God and he could save her. And so that kind of faith is, so we just said that, that nothing is beyond God's power, but this is no one is beyond God's power. Rahab teaches it so wonderfully. No one is beyond God's power. Like, how do you read the story of Rahab and say, nah, you don't know my sin? No, I don't, but God does. Like, a foreigner, a prostitute, n- n- no record, no resume, nothing, and yet, she believed God and was saved. How could anyone walk around saying, ah, I, 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 that, that kind of grace, you know, that, that's, that's good for you or you or you, but not me. You don't know what I've done. 
I mean, you, that, that's the theme of the Bible, of God's redemption, redemptive plan. Right? How often was Jesus with, he was a, Jesus was criticized for two big things, it seems to me. Two of the primary things. One, man, they got upset with him healing people on the Sabbath, right? And two, hanging with sinners. He was always with the downtrodden and the poor and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners. Always, right? You see the woman who leaped at his robe. Remember 12 years of bleeding? She couldn't even go to church. And by faith, she dives just to touch him, right? And she's healed by faith. The the woman at the well who's like, goes to the heat of the day just because she just... Man, she's just such a sinner, and she doesn't want anyone to mock her and ridicule her. She's tired of it, right? She goes, and there's Jesus. What bad luck, right? This rabbi is going to start judging me. But does he? No, he leads her to saving faith. A Samaritan woman. The thief on the cross couldn't get baptized, couldn't go to church. He was literally on that cross because he was a terrible human being. He did terrible things, and yet today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Faith. Faith in the, in the, the living Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and then he, he rose. So you can't walk around saying, I'm beyond it. I've spent fifth, almost 15 years now, week after week, saying what? You cannot out the cross. You can't do it. It was, it was he that took your sin. Now, we don't want to sin, right, because we want to love God. We want to trust him more and more. That's to not sin. But you can't out-sin the cross. The more lowly and outcast you are, the better, because God's grace rescues, right? Tax collector, leper, prostitute, adulteress, come on into the kingdom of God. You know what? Rahab wasn't just saved. Like when they go in, I'll give you the the story. They didn't say, all right, well, you're lucky. You you did what you did. Now get out. No, she became part of God's family. So much so that she's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 and part of the family tree of Jesus himself. That's Rahab. She was saved and she was brought into God's family. That's what happens when you believe God. No one, no one. The only thing that keeps you out of the grace of God is you. Because God is bigger than your sin. Even those who you know, walk around with bravado, I don't really think I believe in God. I really don't, yeah, I don't really need God. You know, deep down inside, it's just in your heart, you know you desperately need God to save you. But you've locked it up into your heart and you lie to yourself. And so... This, this is a beautiful opportunity to just unlock that and say, God, I need you. I need you. Just like Rahab said, save me. If she can ask God to save her, you can. You can. And so that, that might be you. Maybe it's not. But here's where we also should take this to heart, and that is in our lives, you don't look at anyone when you walk out there you live your life, you don't see anyone that's beyond the power of God to save. No one. Now, he, he's going to save what he saves, and, and, and there's a lot of questions. We don't know. We're not God. All I'm telling you is you can't look at someone and say, no way. But we do it. Sometimes it's much more subtly. Oh, that family, they've never been to church. They're bad news. That, oh, that, they're another religion, or they're, they're a, a, a palm reader, or, or they practice witchcraft, or they're part of a political party that I don't like. 
too close to home. It's, we're far away from the election now. It should be okay. Right? Or whatever it is, like they're too far gone, they're too far away, they're too, that sometimes we have that attitude and we're missing, we're missing that God has called us to someone or something, right? So remember that. That doesn't mean we trust everybody. I mean, there's people, like, you got to have wisdom, but you can pray for them. You can say, you know what? As far gone as they seem, no one is beyond the power of God and his salvation. That's what Rahab teaches us. All the Bible teaches us. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, by his grace. So let's remember that if we have people in our life that we, we think are too far gone or too dirty or too whatever. No, they're not. No, they're not. And so I, um, I'm going to invite the worship team to wade their way through blocks and uh, come on up. And what I want us to do is close your eyes. And, you, and closing your eyes, is, by the way, is not a requirement to prayer. You can pray while you're driving. And you shouldn't close your eyes when you do that. It's so you're not looking at me because this is between you and God. Remember those three things that we talked about. Faith starts with confession. Yeah, sometimes it's confession of who we are, what sins, you know, the sins in our life. It's repentance of that, absolutely. But it's confession of who God is. So just take a moment to confess in your heart Say it in your own words. Who God is. What do you believe about him? Who is God? Father, would you make that our prayer every day? You are holy. You are perfect. You're majestic. You're all-powerful, all-knowing. You've created the heavens and the earth and what's under the earth. We can't even fathom how big you are, how worthy of worship you are. Remind us that every day when we wake up that you are our God, who you are. Remember the second was that confession leads to faith because when you realize who God is, you can trust him. So right now, I just want you to visualize whatever walls are keeping you from doing what God has called you to do. What are they? Fear, comfort, shame, addiction, maybe it's selfishness. Just picture that and ask yourself, to, in this time, just ask yourself, do I believe God can tear those walls down? Do you believe it? Do you have faith?
pray that you'd help us to believe that we can go where you call us to go and do what you've called us to do. We can live by your word. By faith, we can. Because you're God and you can do it. You said you would. You believe you will. Give us the courage that you gave Joshua. Give us the courage you gave Rahab. Lord, if there's anyone tonight like Rahab and they just maybe felt too far gone before, but now they realize the gospel of Jesus Christ is for them. You'd give them the words to just confess, Jesus, you are Lord, save me. Save me. Save me. And last, lastly, it's remember, obey today. You're in luck. Today's not that much longer. But tomorrow, it's again, obey today. So I want you to picture what God is calling you to do. And how can you obey him today in that? What is it? thank you for what you've called us as a church to do, what you've called us as your people to do, as individuals, as families. Give us the courage and strength to do it today. To get up tomorrow, confess, believe, and obey. Thank you that we can do all of this because you, Lord Jesus, died for us. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing a great prayer. Come, Lord Jesus.